0: I'd like to draw your attention to James chapter 4, and we'll look at verse 10, and really just the first part of verse 10, and I'll read that to you again. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. That's our passage this morning. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. It's very important that we understand our times, that we have a, a, a sense of, of the culture that we live in. And one of the things that's helpful for us to recognize about our culture and the, and the world that we're in is, is the, it's interesting to think how pride is a good thing. Pride. Is a good thing in our culture. Don't want to overemphasize that. I'm sure you could, you know, you could find examples where it's still frowned upon. But for example, gay pride, gay pride, interesting, interesting way of speaking about that thing, right? Um, tiger pride, you know, Crusader pride, whatever team. You have, it's a sports thing, you know, okay, maybe it's innocent to some degree, but, but it's interesting they use that word, pride, right? The political world that we see, the, the, the culture of our politics is interesting. Um, you can be an American history major like myself, and you could know a little thing or two about maybe some of the original uh, politicians and just kind of how things worked in our country. And it was common for politicians to be very humble and gracious to their opponent, who they want to lose, right? And to, oh, let me see what, you know, Mr. Jefferson has to say about this. And they would have debates and they would talk in such a way, right? And their temptation would be to have a kind of a flattery, fake humility, right? Now the wills are off. In my mind, I'm 39, I've seen a few debates. It's It started in my mind with, with, um, with the Trump debates, right? And you see it, it's on national TV. And it's just like, lambasting people, interrupting people, being rude, just showing off, and it's just kind of in front of everyone. And this is who the Americans elected, right? It wasn't like a bad thing. Pride. Arrogance. It's a good thing, the culture says. And yet, brethren, it's a very bad thing. It's a horrible thing. It's the one thing, I suppose, among other things, but the Bible specifically says that God resists the proud. Who wants to be a fighter with God? And yet, the the, the Scriptures also say that um, God delights, He, he, as it were, draws near to the humble. One of our Puritan forefathers says that God has two heavens. He has the heavens of heavens. And He has the heart. He, He dwells in the heart of a humble man or a humble woman. Isaiah 57, verse 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Brethren, you want to know what it means to be humble, you want to have that grace. And I want to speak to you on it. My message is entitled, Humility Before God. If you'd like, what is humility? Part one. But specifically, humility before God. And if God, God wills, we'll look at humility before men tonight. And I have... Before you, uh, three main sections that I want to uh, speak to you under. First, I want to give a, a brief exposition of these words from James 4.10. Secondly, I want to speak to you doctrinally and establish our, our teaching. And then my third part of my message will be the application. And so first, let's look at the exposition of this phrase now, I don't mean to make light of the, the of the last part of the verse, but of course the verses are not um, inspired, and 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 we're not bound to such things. I just want us to look at these words: humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. There's a there's a there's a word and after that, and so there's another thought. He shall lift you up. That's a that's a that's a blessing. There's benefits right, to humility and and things like that. But just the commandment, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And, And I have a few points of exposition, four points. First, briefly, as I just mentioned, this is a command. Humility for every single one of you is commanded of you by God. It's not a suggestion. Okay, it's not a suggestion. It's not just for sweet old ladies. I know a lot of sweet old ladies that are humble not just for sweet old ladies. It's not just for people um, who aren't very good at anything. That are average. They have no reason to be proud. Right? No good reason, as it were. It's not just for, for that. It's for everyone. Humble yourselves. He's speaking to the church. Of course, it applies to all men. Humble yourselves. It's a command. Secondly, humility is You know, what is it, right? What does he mean by this? Humble yourselves. It's a state of mind. Humility is, I like to kind of break things down and go go from the the base, right? It's a state of mind. The Bible talks about different graces, right? Um, Meekness and gentleness. Those are fruits of the root. Okay, meekness and gentleness are actions. You know, people carry themselves with meekness. And I believe, if we understand what this word is indicating, that humility is the, is the root of that. It's a mindset. It's a state of mind. Okay, we get that, actually, from uh, a couple of things. Humility is a state of mind. Two, two ways of, under, of understanding that. Now, in verse 10, we have a, a, a verb, a Greek verb, right? And it's... it's um, <clears throat> It contains two words in the Greek. And in the Greek language, that's a good way of understanding a meaning of a word. It's not always the case, but that's helpful. And one of the words there, in this, in this word, it's just one Greek word, humble yourselves. It's just one word, boom. And, and uh, one of the words there is getting at to think. To think. So, in other places in the New Testament, we're commanded to set our mind on things above. Think about heaven, right? Uh, mind not high things, but condescend to men of lowest low estate. Think about it. It's, it's a mental idea. It's the mind, right? Um, and then we see this also from the, from the usage of, of, of this word that it's a mental thing. Philippians 2 verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, But in lowliness of mind, that's the word for humility in the noun form. It's just one word, lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. What does it mean to have a lowly mind? You're going to esteem others better than yourself. It's a mental faculty, mental function. So it's a state of mind. How do you think about yourself? Well, third, humility is a low estimation of oneself. Because we haven't really attained to humility yet if we're just thinking, you know, using our mental function. A lot of people think high things of themselves. is the exact opposite. Humility is a low estimation of oneself. The second word in this, um, this word here is the word for low. Kids, some of you, you kids, you haven't, you're not adults, right? You're, you, you have many years to grow. And you're shorter than I am. You're down here. I'm higher than you. I look I would if I was next to you, I would look down at you, right? Like physically I would look down at you. You're, you're low. Right? Mary uses this word in <clears throat> Luke 148. She says, For he referring to God, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. Mary was not important, right? Before I mean, she is important, of course, but you know, before um, the, the virgin birth and all that. I mean, she was just a, a maiden. She was just a woman in Israel, not, you know not ter- terribly important. And we are to humble ourselves, of course, not others. Humbling others is oftentimes a sin. It's, it's an it's a exercise of pride. So he says, "humble yourselves, something you do to yourself." Well, fourth, and most particularly to this morning's message, he says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. He modifies it. Very important. So fourth, humility is further a low estimation of yourself in the sight of God. In the sight of God. Okay, so think about it for a little bit. People can be humble in light of circumstances. Right? I'm not talking about that type of humility. So, Pharaoh. Moses comes. Children, the story of the Exodus. Really incredible story of God's salvation, right? Moses comes to Pharaoh. Right? He performs these miracles. Okay? And Pharaoh actually is humbled by them in a certain sense. To the point where he's like, hey, you guys, okay, you know what? You guys can go. He's not really humbled. He's humbled only in circumstances. During COVID, I saw this with uh, you know, some Christians here or there that, I'm, I'm a, that I have contact with. Um, uh, I don't know the state of their heart, but my point is that they profess faith, but they're they kind of wandering. They're kind of wandering. And then COVID, the circumstances of COVID made them seek the Lord, which in itself is a good thing. And yet COVID goes away I get my job back the economy picks back up I no longer really as fearful of death because you know I've got the, the germs or whatever forgive me um, I've got immune, immunity or what, what not, and suddenly they're kind of like I don't really have to go to church now they were just humbled by their circumstances humble yourselves not because you are in a bad place and now you really know you're, you know you're a sinner and now you really know you're weak no humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord it's different it's also not this, humble yourselves in comparison to other people. That's kind of our tendency. If, if, I, if I was to be honest about my own heart, I, I can f- compare myself with other people. You know, do you ever do that? You're humbled because you're like me, you go in a 5K run with your brothers, and you think you're still 25 years old and can run fast, and you try to stay up with them for the first half mile, and you realize there's just no way. And you're absolutely exhausted in the 5K, and your younger brothers completely obliterated you, and you're humbled. I'm not talking about that either. That's actually um, commanded, uh, warned. 2 Corinthians 10:12. I'll just read this verse to you. Paul's speaking. He says, "For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they." Measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. It's not a wise thing to do. But we are talking about having a low estimation of yourself in the sight of God. What is that exactly? Well, let me give you an example. Um, So, in relation to the Lord, uh, as He sees you, He who knows all things... Um, as you are before Him, right? Think about this for a second. If you have your your Bible, you can turn turn to Isaiah. Isaiah 6. I'll read five verses that are really illuminating. And I read this famous passage to you of Isaiah 6. I'll read the first five verses. I want you to ask yourself the question, is Isaiah a false prophet? Is he a wicked man? Isn't Isaiah a holy man? Isn't Isaiah a godly man? Don't, wouldn't we say that from the scriptures? That he, he's a man of clean lips? Would we say that about Isaiah? I think we would, right? Then here we read this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I, I, also, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. The temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved, and the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And then listen to this. Then I said, th- then said I, Woe is me. For I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. What's going on? Suddenly, Isaiah sees himself in the light of who God is. Suddenly, he's a man of unclean lips. Because God is holy three times over. It's, of course, not just that we are to, to to think about God's holiness, but that helps us understand a little bit now what, what it means to be humble and what it means specifically to humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Well, what does this mean? So a brief exposition of a few words of Scripture. Well, let me give you, secondly, my doctrine. Now I'll speak to you under this heading, more uh, also fairly briefly under two points, but my doctrine is this, that it is the duty of all people to have a low estimation of themselves before God. It's a simple doctrine. I don't really need to defend it too much. It doesn't divide us with other Christians theologically too much. It's a, it's a very experimental thing, right? I'm, I want to get at your heart and how you think about about God, and how it relates to, to other areas of your life. It is the duty of all people to have a low estimation of themselves before God. And I want to say two things. First, briefly, I want to prove this doctrine with some other scripture. This is everywhere in the Bible. It's the problem with Pharaoh, Exodus 10 Verse 3, And Moses and Aaron came uh, came in unto Pharaoh and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews. What What was Pharaoh's problem? How long wilt thou refuse to humble yourself before me? You're not that powerful, Pharaoh. I know you're probably the most powerful king on earth, but I'm the king of kings, and you're nothing. You're like a grasshopper to me. Peter says, in 1 Peter 5, verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore... And he doesn't refer uh, to, the, to like holiness like the Isaiah passage does. He says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. A very similar verse. And he specifically brings to our mind the hand of God. Now, kids, kids, God doesn't have a hand. But it's a way of speaking. We typically... Carry out things with our hand. We 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 um we we perform our will with our hands, and it's a way of speaking of God's power, His almighty power, and we are to come low, knowing that God is all powerful. He's He's all powerful. We, we we have very little power, really. It's cl- it's clearly taught in the Bible. Well, secondly, under this doctrinal heading, I want to give you two reasons. I want to address your mind and, and have you think about how the, the propriety, this is very proper for us to do this for two reasons. One, because God is your creator. You, you need to humble yourselves and you need to live in this way where you're humbling yourselves before the Lord because God is your creator. God is your creator. How silly would it be uh, for children to, or, or for, for, you know, for parents, think about the, the, just the natural authority parents have over their children, right? Um, everywhere in the world, I mean, if anything, uh, the authority structures are being challenged in our country. But, I mean, children don't come from the womb. They're not you know, little babies, two years old, just doing their own thing. You know, it's ridiculous. The, our, the, the parents were, in a certain sense, you know, they're responsible for their existence, And they have an authority over them that's very natural. We understand that. It's the law of nature. How how ridiculous is it for for folks to rebel against God? Paul refers to this idea in Romans 9, verse 20. He's talking about something a little bit different here, but the the idea that I'm trying to to express is contained in these verses. Romans 9, 20. Nay, but O man, who art thou, that repliest against God shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay? It's only right for us to humble ourselves, and to submit to God. Right? Well, secondly, God is your judge. Why is it proper for you? to submit yourselves to God, to be be to be to cognizant of, of who God is and what God wants for your life and, and to come under Him, right? Well, because He's your judge. Again, children, think about this. You're in school and you're taking a test. Okay? And, you know, you, you, you go to the teacher and you say, you know, I, I've, I've pretty much mastered the material here. Um, I, I know, you know, these these parts of what you've been teaching me. I'm good. I'm good. It's ridiculous. The teacher comes up with the test. He's the one that determines whether you've learned the material. He's the judge. He's the greater. God is your judge for we must all appear before the judgment seat of what? Public opinion? No. The judgment seat of Christ. That Everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So this is a proper uh, a proper and fit duty for us to do. Well, for the remainder of my time, thirdly, I want to speak to you some words of application. I have six applications for us. So we, we want... You want to be humble and you you certainly want to be humble before the Lord, your creator and judge. And you want to to understand more about what this means. What does it mean to humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord? Practically. how, How do I apply this? Well, first, consider God's righteousness. Consider God's righteousness. If you were to die tonight Okay, you, you go home from, from church and you go to bed and you die in your sleep. And as it were, you were to go to the gates of heaven. And let's say Jesus was there and he said to you, let's just say this would happen. He says to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say to that question? It's a good question, the the, the concept is a good question to think about. I've asked that question, brethren, to many Christians. People sitting in pews and chairs like you are, I've asked that to people on the streets many, many times. And by far, by a long shot, the most common answer is works righteousness. I'm a pretty good person. I haven't committed adultery. I don't lie like that much. I'm pretty good. I had a man tell me, Well, I'm a deacon. I've served as a deacon for 18 years. What's he doing? He's saying, God, you should let me into your heaven. You should forgive me because I'm righteous. I've worked it up. And brethren, if you're going to humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, you need to consider God's righteousness. Consider it. Man is unable of himself to approach God. God dwells in inapproachable light. The Bible has to describe it negatively. Negatively. We don't understand exactly what that means. He's so righteous and he's so holy and he hates sin that he's like a light. He's like the sun in the middle of the day. Have you ever looked at the sun in the middle of the day? No, you haven't. Because it would burn your eyeballs. You can't approach it. You can't look at it. But people consider their own righteousness. Consider God's standard of righteousness. Matthew five forty-eight. Be ye therefore perfect. Did you hear that? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. A truly humble man sees his own righteousness as cow manure. Kids, cow manure. not trying to be silly. I'm trying to be serious. Think about it. how ridiculous is that. Paul says that exact same thing in Philippians 3.8. All, all my righteousness that I did as a, as a really good Pharisee, a Benjamin, a Benjamite, a Hebrew of Hebrews, it's as dung. It's as dung. Isaiah says, It's a filthy rag. All my righteousness is a filthy rag. Some of you ladies perhaps are like my wife, you've you've at one point at some point in your in your, your time as you clean your house, you've you've gotten on the floor in your kitchen floor, and you've scrubbed your kitchen floor with soap and water. You have w- rags That you use to do that. And afterwards, you don't go take a shower and dry off with those towels. How ridiculous is that? They're filthy rags. And that is what your righteousness looks like of yourself before God. Consider God's righteousness. A truly humble person sees this and they trust in the righteousness of another. Paul says, I want to be found in him, found in Christ. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. From doing all these things. Which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God. It's an alien righteousness. A humble person sees their dung. They see their filthy rags. They see the standard of God and they throw themselves upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Who's perfect. Who's holy. 100%. So, are you relying on the righteousness of another? Do you have the concept in your mind, firmly established in your heart, that you need a mediator? Are you trying to go to the White House and knock on the door of the president's office? Hey, uh, President Biden, you know, I want to tell you what's wrong with our country. That's ridiculous, and he's just a man. Do you have a concept? of a go-between, a mediator with God who's holy and righteous. Consider God's righteousness. If you're going to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, you're going to consider God's righteousness. Secondly, you're going to consider God's knowledge. I mentioned how um, a man who humbles himself in the sight of the Lord and considers God's righteousness sees their sin as cow manure. Right? Well, this is going to help you understand that more. Consider God's knowledge. Consider God's knowledge. I write journals. I have a journal. I kind of have a habit of writing one journal a week just to kind of, it helps me think about my life. I, I, I do a better job writing them than I do reading them. But my point is, is that if you were to read my journals about my life, you would understand me pretty well. There might be a few things that I would be embarrassed about that you would know, but you wouldn't know everything about me. By far. You wouldn't know. There's times in my life, especially when I was a wee boy, I didn't write a journal. Right? There's things, even when I was writing journals, during that time of my life, that I omitted. God knows all of it. All of it. He sees all things. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. All creatures, all their actions. He sees them all. He sees you here now. He knows what you're doing. He knows if you're paying attention to the pastor preaching or not. He knows if you're sleeping he sees you at your house in between services. Your elder doesn't see you. God sees you. He sees you in your bedroom by yourself. He sees you on the internet. God knows all things about you. He sees you. Listen, He sees your unseeable thoughts. Christians can be hypocrites. They can sit in pews. They can live a blameless life outwardly, but they're full of sin in their heart. God sees it all. All my righteousness, Paul says, is dung. He meant it because he understood the omniscience of God. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Brethren, you heard, maybe you heard me, friends, you, you heard me talk about God's righteousness, and you're like, okay, I understand that. But I'm really not that big bad, bad guy. If all of your sins were paraded on this screen here in front of everyone, you would realize. How sinful you are. It would help at least. God already knows all that. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Consider God's knowledge. Well, third, consider God's power. Consider God's power. Some of you are being punished for sin. It's fair to say. It's a fairly large group. Some of the afflictions that you're facing right now in your life are not because of sin. And you don't need to think that. We don't always know why we're afflicted. We don't always know why we're being, you know, as it were, punished maybe by providence, things like that. We shouldn't see someone who's sick or struggling with the disease and think, oh, God's punishing them. That's not how it works. And yet, if God is gracious to you, friends, you covenant children, if He's gracious to you, He's going to come run after you. And oftentimes God afflicts you. You sin, you make a bad choice, and God punishes with you with that. And there's a really large measure in a sense that that's actually a grace. And God's punishing you. He has the power to do that. You know, I, I have, I'm limited in my parenting. I, I can reach out and touch my kids to a certain degree, but not completely. God has a lot of power. He can do that. And a humble person... A humble person will respond to the beginning of God's rebukes and punishments. They'll respond to the beginning and not only at the end when judgment is imminent and obvious. Think about what it means to be humble before God. You know, you you, you consider God's power. God has the power not just to spank you children, right, through your parents, not just to ground you, right? Not just to throw you in jail because you committed a crime against our nation's laws. He has the power to cast your very soul into an eternal hell. Consider God's power. 57 times in the King James English Bible here, we have the word Almighty. Fifty. times Seven times. God's trying to convey something to you. How are you responding to the beginning of God's rebukes? Consider His power. Consider who you're dealing with. I was doing my work as a salesman, um, this has been a few months now, and I remember knocking on a door and talking to a man. He opened the door, and here stands a man who's 6'7", 330 pounds. He's not unhealthy, overweight, rock-solid NFL offensive lineman. Out in the middle of nowhere. Didn't expect that. And I recognized his face. I, I, I kind of recognized. I knew what college he played at. Anyways, I was intimidated. I was physically intimidated by this guy. And y- y'all can understand that. You know, I'm six foot. 225 pounds. I'm in pretty good shape, whatever, you know. I'm not that impressive. This guy is 6'6, 330 pounds. Probably could run faster than me. And I was intimidated. God. He can reach out and touch you, He's all powerful. Consider God's power. People remain in sin and they go to hell. Because they never consider this. They don't humble themselves before the Lord. He's not a man. He's not a mere man. He's God. Well, James, in chapter 4, he's saying some fairly general words. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. He's also writing to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad, right? He's writing to, to, to God's people. And I specifically want to say some words of application to you here who know the Lord, and you know that you know the Lord, and you love the Lord Jesus Christ, and you agree with everything I've said, and you appreciate it. And I want to speak to you some things too. Number, number four, brethren... Consider God's holiness. Different, different idea than God's righteousness. Related, it's close, but let me explain. Consider God's holiness. Um, what, I, what I'm saying is this, is uh, I was reading uh, a while ago J.C. Rawls' book, Holiness. And I can't remember where, it's not super important, but I remember him making, it's like a whole chapter on, on how, you know, like really godly people are actually the humblest people. They're just humbled. It's just, it's an interesting phenomenon. How is that so? They're actually godly people. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they can, they they maybe they're ordained or maybe they're 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 longtime members of a church or whatever the case may be. They're some mature Christians, and that's evident even in their own conscience and to other people that they're they're godly people. They have graces. They really love the loss. They really love what other people. They they sacrifice for things. And yet they're not proud about that. They're humble. Genuinely humble about it. How is that so? Here is the secret, um, as it were, of how men and women of excellence can truly be humble because they view themselves not in relation to man, but to God. Right? Um, Their pattern... Of sanctification is not their pastor, it's not their their father who they really loved and respected. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says that we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. To the image of his son. They're like Paul in Philippians 3, they don't think they've arrived. If you ever felt like, okay, I've arrived here. Okay, I'm now in the FCC. I understand purity worship. You know, whatever. And you know, I got my catechism memorized, and I'm, I'm actually pretty, pretty holy. And I've, you know, I've arrived. I've made it. No, we won't make it until we're in heaven. Paul says, "Brethren, I count on myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do: forgetting those things which are behind, and for reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark." For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm pressing toward the resurrection and glory when I will be conformed perfectly into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Consider God's holiness. Truly humble people, humble Christians, are not satisfied with their growth in grace, their current, you know, status. They're not satisfied with their 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 prayer life. Okay, I don't think we need to mop around, and be you know, be sad about it because we, you know, we have we have places to grow. We're not like, oh yeah. I mean, I I pray twenty minutes in the morning, then I pray twenty minutes then, and you know, I I got it. We're not we're not satisfied. We're we're pressing on to greater love, greater service for the church, because we're being conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you satisfied, brethren, with where you are? in your sanctification, in your grace? Are you satisfied with your service to the Lord Jesus Christ? You're, you do this for the church and you do that for the church, and that's pretty good. And I'm glad you're doing this for the church and doing that for the church. The Lord Jesus gave, gave his whole life for the church. Moses is very interesting. Um, we read that passage in Numbers 12, we read, it's, it's a parenthesis, right? Um, now, the man Moses was very meek above all the men which are upon the face of the earth. That's an Old Testament word for, for, for humility. <laughs> and as I said earlier, it's related. Moses was very humble. Um, I mean, if, if I was Moses, I would be tempted to be pretty proud. Right I mean, I saw the Lord, the similitude of the Lord. He spoke mouth to mouth or as it were, face to face, and yet he was low above all the people in the earth. He was very meek because he was so close to the Lord, he was humbled by it, and, that's, and he, he was aware, he was aware of that and that's, and that's how JC. Rao can say this about um, you know people he's commenting on the history of, of God's people and he you know, it's just interesting. It's because they're close to the Lord, and they, they have nothing to boast about. They're humbling themselves in the sight of the Lord. I've often thought about this. Um, y- y'all, y'all know who uh, Dr. Joel Beakey is. He he's preached in our churches before. I'm sure you have probably got some of his books. I mean, in my mind, he's a very godly man. He's 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 got a ministry. We're so thankful for him and. And, and we bless God for that. And yet, he's not... I mean, I've met him. You know, he's, a, he's a normal person. He understands who he is. He's not... He doesn't come across as, as a showy person at all. Why? Well, because he considers God's holiness. And I want you, <laughs> brethren, to consider God's holiness. Well, fifth. Consider... And I have six applications. Consider God's wisdom... Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. consider God's wisdom. consider God's wisdom and providence. That's, that's where I'm going with this, not, not so much talking about like theology and, and you know the, the wonder, wonderful way in which God has established the plan of redemption and bringing the God man and how we can see that. And Paul says in Romans 11, oh the i am not really talking about that as much. As God's wisdom and providence, here's a question. How do you respond to tragedy in your life? How do you respond to cancer? How do you respond to a miscarriage? Unemployment. A a cancellation of, of your flight at the airport that keeps you from going to your vacation. How do you respond to these things? Well, you know, you can get angry, right? Because that wasn't supposed to happen. You have a good plan for your life and God's ruined your plan and you're angry with God, right? And and the root issue there, brethren, is pride. God's not wise. I'm wise. Yet a humble person looks past The secondary cause and sees the primary cause. He sees God. Now, God's not guilty of sin, right? But he's he's in control of all things. Christ controls all things by the word of his power. Hebrews 1, 3. He's working all things for good to those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. He's, He's at work. And a humble person looks past the secondary cause and sees the primary cause. Think about Psalm 39. Verse 9. Here's, here's a verse. I was dumb. I opened not my mouth because thou didst it. I was dumb. I was, I was... Children, that means that they were quiet. Quiet. They didn't say anything. They didn't buck. God, why have you done this in my life? Consider God's wisdom. How many people have come to know the Lord because they were impacted by a person who understood the tragedy that they were going through a person a family a young couple has a miscarriage and a nurse at their hospital sees them go through that scenario and they think to themselves the nurse thinks to themselves maybe there's something to this christianity thing and they come to church and they're converted Consider God's wisdom. God's at work. Um, I think that he, he caused the delay in my plane yesterday to make me think about the blessing it is to preach and how I was more excited about it. You know, this is kind of something silly, almost. It, not a, It's kind of a small thing. Consider... God's wisdom and consider it in difficult things. Consider it. You know, the devil's going to say, You don't deserve cancer. You, You don't deserve that. God's not good to you. Well, He is good to you in the Lord Jesus Christ, even if you have these terrible things happen to you. But in the midst of that, consider God's wisdom. God's at work. It's actually kind of exciting to think about. You know, you go through a really difficult scenario. And then like two years later, and you're like kind of oblivious, like what is going on? This has been a rough ride. And then like you're in a position now to comfort those with the comfort that you've been comforted. And it's God's way of working in a sinful world. Yeah, there's still some questions. Providence, the mystery of providence, right? Consider God's wisdom. It's encouraging. Because God is a good God. And he will wipe away all our tears in, in, in heaven. He's at work. And he so chooses to use sinful people like you and me to bring about his glory on the earth. Brethren, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Consider his wisdom. <clears throat> well, sixth, consider God's rationale. Consider God's rationale. You're going through the Christian life. You, you have a problem. You face a Suddenly you're at a fork in the road. You heard a sermon, or you're reading your Bible, or you're talking to a Christian, and you had an awkward conversation with a Christian about something that y'all disagree with. And you, you have this problem. And suddenly the, the Word of God... Challenges your life. And the way you used to think is suddenly the possibility is that it's wrong. And God's word challenges you. You know, um, something is repugnant to the way, or maybe just contrary, to the way you're thinking. It's, it's not uh, according to popular opinion in society. It's not the way your parents raised you. It's, it's not uh, maybe something that was taught in, in your previous church or, or whatnot. And you're reading the Bible and God's rationale is, is challenging you, right? Uh, what am I saying? Well, this is what I'm saying. I'm going to use some examples, okay? You're reading the Bible and, and it says, um, and I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Okay. Um, wait a second. But I, but I like... Uh, those women teachers over there. And I like their books. And my mom is one. Whatever. Right? I'm just giving you some... I'm not here to talk about that issue necessarily. I'm just trying to get you to think. Alright, here's something. Um, You're a young man, you're single, you're looking for a mate, and you're reading the Bible, and you realize that the Bible, God, puts... He doesn't put a lot of value on physical attractiveness in a spouse charm is deceitful and beauty is passing but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Well yeah, but for me I'm going to have a smoking hot wife. That's who I want to look. That's who I want to have. Right? And God's rationale comes to you and he says to you change the way you think. Value what I value. And you're thinking to yourself no, no. I'm not going to humble myself in the sight of the Lord. For one, it's not that big of a deal. Two, it may not be true. I'm just going to kind of ignore it. The pastor just mentioned it. It made sense, but it can't be true. I'm reading it in my Bible, and I've read that last month too. Uh, Consider God's rationale. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. This is the problem. And I'll mention this. Hopefully it'll be edifying to you. This is the problem with with heretics, especially the ones that don't... um, believe in the Trinity they say it doesn't make sense well the doctrine that God is one in three persons is not contrary to reason it's above our reason God is infinite and they don't like that they don't submit to that they're not like Psalm 131 where the psalmist says you know I've I've humbled myself I'm like a little child I don't think about things that are too high for me they don't consider God's rationale brethren this is super important um I kind of mentioned it earlier, but I'm going to read uh, Isaiah 66 to you, okay? Um, Isaiah 66 verses one through two, "Thus saith the Lord: "The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me, and where is the place of my rest?" For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. Listen to this. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit. Now stop there. What does he say next? Okay, so you told me earlier, all right, you told me earlier that God has two heavens. He dwells in the heaven of heavens in the the heart of a humble man. How does he define that? He says, but on this one will I look. To him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and it trembleth at my word. He trembleth at my word. You're reading the Bible and God challenges the way you think. He challenges the way you're currently acting and you change. Okay. Okay. Um, fine, you win, Lord. I wish I knew more why women can't be pastors, but how electric would it be? I hope you understand when I say that word. How, how, how powerful would it be for women in the PCUSA to say, you know what? The Bible doesn't teach that. I need to step down. It's not the order of creation, among other things. That would be, that would be fantastic. And Again, I'm not here to talk about that issue. I just, I don't, I don't think that necessarily, you know, there's anyone here that wants to be a pastor that's a woman. I'm just I'm trying to get you to think about trembling at God's word. You know, you, you, you're all growing. You're like me. You're growing in the knowledge of God. And God's word comes to you. And you need to consider his rationale. Cornelius. In Acts chapter 10, verse 33. Peter comes to his house. He's a Gentile, if you remember that part in the book of Acts. The words coming to the Gentiles. Peter's a little confused still, but the Holy Spirit told him to go to this Gentile house. And Cornelius says to Peter, Immediately therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Do you have that mindset? before the sound preaching of the word, before your reading of the word. God, speak. Your servant is listening. Are you humble before the Lord? Children, your parents can be wrong. God has never wronged. Submit to Him. Brethren, are you submitting to God's rationale? Here's another question for you Are you ignoring it? Are you postponing it? I don't want to think about the logical implications of the Sabbath day upon my life. I'm just going to push pause. You haven't actually, you know, said, I'm going to not do it. But you're not doing anything about it. You're, you're pausing it. That's, a, that's another form. And again, not here to talk about the Sabbath. Not here to talk about covetousness. Not here to talk about gender roles. Being a godly husband. But all these things, the Bible, comes and speaks to us. Are you putting off repentance? This is pride. Consider... God's rationale. Well, brethren, it is the duty of all people to have a low estimation of themselves before God. Are you considering these things? It is the first and most basic idea of what biblical humility is. And by God's grace, we'll look at the second part, humility before man, tonight. Amen. Please stand and let us pray.